TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. The calendar page has turned. It's October. So many things happening this month, including Halloween attractions and one that's been a staple in our area for many years, Horror Hall. We're going to meet Barry Lohr. He's the fire chief of Plymouth Township Fire and Rescue. His department and all their volunteers are gearing up for some ghoulishly fun activities. Barry, welcome. Nice to have you here. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How long have you been with uh, Plymouth Township? I've been a fireman there 25 years. Wow. So when we're talking about your big fundraiser, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming... Oh, it's the major fundraiser. It's the only major fundraiser we have like this. And... When was it in already in going when you started? Oh yeah, or? yeah. It started in 1984. This will be our this is our 35th year. And tell us what it is. Well, it's Horror Hall, and Woo! it's uh, <laughs> it's our uh, our biggest attraction for the year, and it's our major fundraiser, like we just discussed. Uh, it brings in 80 percent of what we do for the year for our fundraising. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful event. It's very family oriented, and we we enjoy doing it. It's a it's a big part of what we do. Now, I think a lot of when people hear Horror Hall, they might re- not realize it's Plymouth Township because they recognize Tilbury. That is correct. Yes, because our former name was Tilbury Volunteer Fire Company of West Nanico, but that is a village inside of Plymouth Township. Oh, and when we had there were two fire companies at one time in the, in the town, and we merged together. And we reformed as Plymouth Township Fire Rescue Tilbury Station. But it is still our fire company that we always had in town. And the fundraising has always been done the same way. When we're talking about Horror Hall, and it does have a long legacy here in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, do you have any information as to how it all, who decided, what, you know, how it, it all was, came uh, about? It really was a group in, in 1984 in our fire company. Our, our former fire chief, which is now our president, John Reinheimer, was a, a big lead in making that happen. They, they were looking where our station used to be. It was in a heavily flooded area. It was easily prone to flooding. And it was a very small building, and it didn't have a huge amount of fundraising capacity. They saw the school. They realized that there was a potential there for it. And what school was that? It was Harder High School. It was part of the old Greater Nanticoke Area School System. And they they went and approached them about purchasing the building. And then from there, they looked into what could be done with the building. And the haunted house actually was something that they literally just threw together. I mean, when it first opened, we had some very unique situations to get it open. And this is, again, I wasn't there yet. I was four years old at the time. But uh, from the the people that were involved, John being one of them, we really did struggle to get it open. But they made it work, and it became a a sensation. And here it is today, 35 years later, and we're still 
pursuing that event and and every year we put a, a ton of work into it to make it the best that we can make it oh i bet because you do have now a lot of competition oh yeah competition has gone through the roof mm-hmm. and then realistically i mean that's a good thing don't get me wrong we don't we don't look at that as a bad thing but it does add to the add to the effect of what has to happen we have to stay cutting edge and and keep uh keep on our toes so that it continues to be successful and for someone who had um at the time they were high school students who were oh i have to go to horror hall this week and we have to go to horror hall this week i i think it's fair to say that a lot of the competition that you have came from what you did oh absolutely yeah they, they saw the success and and, I, and again we we don't blame anybody that's trying to do the same thing it is real i mean it, it's a successful operation and halloween really i mean nationwide has become almost as crazy as christmas it really is that kind of an event now and everybody gets into it so the reality was the success carried on so in a way we kind of were entrepreneurs in creating uh, a, a successful thing in our area, in the Northeast PA area, that drove all of this extra business. And, and that's that's a good thing. I mean, right across the boards, that makes it for everybody. Well, I, I know when our kids came home and then they would go to other things as time went on, mm-hmm. the comments always came back, oh, that was nothing like horror hall. Uh, and, we, weren't even, we weren't even afraid. And that is something that we, uh, <laughs> we absolutely love and encourage and... Uh, of course, we want to we wanna be number one, and we've always been, and we were the first, and the realities are we'll continue to fight to do that. Now, That's of course, we're, we we're not going to give away any of the secrets, any of the trade oh, secrets, no, no. but for anyone who has never been there, mm-hmm. and we don't want to scare anybody off from going, oh, because I gotcha. it's a lot of fun, <laughs> but what are some of the, the things that people experience as they go through I think our haunt is, is in particular, is more family-oriented than some others. And the fact that we have a combination of the theatrics, okay, because we have our stage show, we do some things in our auditorium that was formerly the auditorium of the school that are they're not normal to other haunted houses or other haunted attractions. A lot of them are based upon the hayride style or uh, like the actual moving haunted house like down at Knobles, things like that. Our haunted house gives you that combination of things. You get the family atmosphere, you get that uh, theatrical part of it, and then of course the haunt upstairs is not—it's not driven to be horrific. It's driven to be fun, scary, give you that suspense. But at the end of the day, you feel like you got the whole picture in one package. So, so, so you're looking more. I, I mean, what what kind of ages are you? Uh, talking it ranges about? between. I would think an acceptable range. We we tell people when they call and ask, uh, like between eight years old and then older. Anything less than that, I mean, some young children may just freak out because there are a lot of dark places and. You know the pops and the screams, and mm-hmm. so. But realistically, that's that's what we tell people. Some of us older ones would do the same. Oh, thing, we've, we've got lots of grown adults that end up on the floor. <laughs> that does happen regularly. On the floor. <laughs> on the floor. Ooh. They'll they'll be entire tours. Literally, that they, they get scared to the point where they're crawling, and we have to tell them, "Come on, you got to get up. Come on, you got to walk." You know? I just be huddled in a corner. Yes, correct. Because I, I have to. I have to tell you, I've never been. Because I've heard our kids talk it's, about it. Uh, it's an interesting experience. It really, really is. It's uh, it's fun. But it I like is the enjoyable. theatrics. That's yes, fun. Yes, and that is something that we've always driven to be. We play the horror classic movies, literally. Uh, we, we try to do everything that makes 
at a fun and enjoyable atmosphere, and you take away more than just walking through a haunted house. Yeah. That's that's what we're there for. Yeah, that that's the kind of stuff I, I think I would like that. Yeah, so. I, 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 I think you would. <laughs> You'd have to come down and visit us. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about the where and the when and the hours and all that. Uh, well, it's every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from now until the end of October. Um, we are open Friday and Saturday from 6 to midnight and Sunday 6 to 10. Oh, and that's that's our normal schedule. We don't run during the week because we're all we're all volunteer. We have jobs, lives, houses, families, wives. You know, that's it's tough. It's tough that to, we'd like to, but we can't. So we've always been through the weekends. And what about for Halloween then? Halloween, we're closed. Oh, okay. and the reason why we're closed for Halloween is because of being the fire station in town. We've always done a haunted uh, something for the children in the town, whether it was a, a trunk or treat. We always had a party. So we try to focus that on to the kids because is, of the fact that we're all there with our own children. Is so, that going to happen? Yes, yes. We will be having a trunk or treat in the parking lot for Halloween on Halloween night. And so, where is the parking lot? The parking lot is at 11 through 19 East Poplar Street. It's right directly in front of our building, and anyone is welcome to come. And your uh, the fire company itself has been going under some transitions. That's correct. And they're still not over. Right, they're still right. we're they're still, still in a, going in a fight, on, yeah. and they're still <laughs> in a fight and in a flux. Yes, and when we're talking about raising money, then you're but you're still actively involved. That is correct. Yes, we are still a chartered fire company in the state of Pennsylvania, which in turn means we can operate as a fire company anywhere that is willing to accept our service. Unfortunately, our township did what they did with the the shutting down and decertification of us in our own town. That battle is ongoing, which we were just discussing. Uh, the reality is there, we're, we're going to be, hopefully, at some point, re-recognized as the fire company in the town. But right now, everything we're doing is to sustain that fire company in the town until that decision can be rendered because of the fact that it's not right for the people. We want the fire station to be there for them. This is what we've always done, so this is what we're going to continue to do. We will keep it there as long as we can do that. We talked to a, a number of volunteer fire companies uh, on Special Edition, and there's always a discussion about volunteers mm-hmm. and lack of volunteers. I'm sure you must have the same in your time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, th- there was just a press release last week. Again, uh, the House is trying to pass a bill to uh, let them re- forgive student loan debt. Right. If you become a volunteer fireman or you are a volunteer fireman, for us, that's huge. Um, is it really the answer? No. I mean, be honest with you, perfectly honest with you, it's not. It's an incentive. It's an incentive, but it's not going to solve the problem. But just the statistics alone show that in the, in the late 70s, the state of Pennsylvania had 300,000 firemen, okay, volunteer firemen. Today, that number is less than 38,000. That's a huge decrease in volunteerism. The realities are the towns, the cities, the boroughs, cannot afford to do full-time fire protection. It's just not feasible. The tax increases in the communities would be outrageous. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do to, to drive the force to get volunteers is be active. Active fire companies make for good fire companies. If they're around all the time and there's always something going on, sometimes it's rigorous. I mean, it puts a lot of stress on things. But the reality is that active people drive active people and then having somebody that's charismatic that wants to go out and talk to people about becoming a volunteer fireman and explain to them that there's more to this than just fighting the fire 
there are people in town that we know we've discussed with that went, well, I, I didn't realize that I could join and not necessarily have to be the one on the fire engine. And, and the facts are we need people to do just that. Right. There are the fundraising and the, the other entities, the administrative side of the, the, the fire company that needs that kind of assistance. We've even heard fire police. Oh, absolutely. People to direct absolutely. traffic. There are so many roles that can be played. I mean, even up into including someone that maybe could just drive the fire engine because of the requirements with, uh, it's a CDL rated piece for, for the truck, for say. Um, the realities are you want competent people to do that. So if you have a truck driver that lives in town, but he's not really somebody that would want to fight fire, if he can drive the fire engine and get it there, he can work on other things as we go to learn. The right. realities are that's what we need. And or at least be available. Because, exactly. Because when you say volunteer, just like with Horror Hall, you can't be there all the time. It's not, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, in today's society especially, I mean, we all know how busy we really are. Mm-hmm. The facts remain that that's hard to dedicate that kind of time. Like even training has become outlandishly crazy. Right. Don't get me wrong. We need it. Right. I'm not a, a proponent of saying it's not necessary, but... For example, the Essentials of Firefighting program to become a state-certified, state-level fire uh, firefighter in the Pennsylvania. It's a 188-hour course, and that's a lot of time to dedicate. When you have a family, you have a home, mm-hmm. you have a job, there's a lot involved. So the realities are the more that we can get people involved and want them to be involved, that's what's going to benefit all of us at the end of the day. Even if they're just around when Horror Hall comes that's around. That's that correct. And, that's... We have, and we have a lot of support in the community that, that really, uh, since this situation happened with the township, we've had an outcry of support that people really, to be honest with you, I think they really felt that we didn't need help, that we were okay. Because they always saw activity and they always saw people around. Sometimes that's just the shell on the outside of the candy. They don't realize that inside we're, we're kind of we're, we're hurting. We're trying to get it together with 15, 18 people sometimes. That you'd really you would rather have 35, 40 people. Where once you see stuff like this happen, unfortunately the bad brings out some of the good. Mm-hmm. But that's where we're at. We're trying very hard to make that work. Well, as we've said to uh, many others of volunteer firefighters that have come through here, that you never realize until you need someone that is correct and if they're not there that's when the cry goes up that's correct it creates a a a very 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 uh difficult situation for everybody really at the end of the day that's what it comes down to well tell us once again barry as far as horror hall is concerned the where the when the hours and that it's not that bad for some scaredy cats like me who yeah yeah you, you will be just fine <laughs> uh again it's horror hall it's at 11 through 19 east poplar street in west Anticoke. uh we are open on friday saturday and sunday every weekend in october and uh friday and saturday is six to twelve sunday is six to ten and we're looking forward to uh seeing everybody what? i mean as many people as we can get what's the cost it's $15 at general admission. We do have some other packages out there. They're for our fast passes and for the really busy nights. Uh, they're at a little different cost. They're 19 And uh, we really do try to, we have pictures available. <laughs> we try to make this as accessible to people as possible. It's an all-indoor event, which is a big plus also during the, 
the October rainy season, you know, where we've been lucky. <laughs> we've been lucky. Don't but say that word. <laughs> really, I mean, it, it is. It's nice because when they get there, they can literally get comfortable. You're not going to be standing outside in inclement oh, nice. weather if it's chilly or it's raining. That's that's another advantage that we have. The now, building know, is large enough. I know the fire company has a Facebook page. That is Does correct. Horror Hall have its own? Horror Hall has the same exact Facebook page. Oh, okay. We operate everything through that, and it sends you to the links for all of the ticket information, things like that. So, so what's the Facebook page? Facebook page is Horror Hall. Uh, I'm sorry, Horror Hall at Plymouth Township Fire Rescue. Okay. And when they click on that, they can go on there, and there are links directly to our website. There's links there to the uh, ticket web, so they can get all the information that they need. Are you one of the Horror Hallians? Uh, or are you allowed to, to say? say? <laughs> needless to say, we all are the Horror Hallians. Uh, when we're when we're really busy, everybody it's like all hands on deck. But we do, most of the officers of the fire company are involved in the managing of it because this is a very big undertaking every night. There's a lot of little elements that if we don't stay right on top of them, we can't give the people the show that they deserve. And, and that's our goal. We want people to come, be satisfied, and leave there happy for coming and, and supporting us. Thanks, Barry. We're all looking forward to some hauntingly good fun this year once again at Horror Hall. Now, don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Next, we'll find out about another Halloween event. Plus, did you get your flu shot yet? And we'll also meet two of the ladies from SAFE. Welcome back to Special Edition. Tenye Verkaitis, the Executive Director of the Luzerne and Lackawanna County Medical Societies, has a wonderful event that is coming up in October. It's their health fair. They're doing something a little bit different this year, and you don't have to worry about winning a 5K. You might want to be concerned, though, about what you wear in order to take part. She'll explain. Tenye, you're here again, and that means that we're going to get healthy. Woo! We're going to try. Yeah, that's you, for sure. The folks from the uh, Lackawanna Luzerne County Medical Societies have been busy, 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 going all summer long. Yeah. But you're not done yet. Not quite. I think we can say this might be our last big event of the season. At least I hope I don't get any surprises. <laughs> Well, if you do, you're behind it. Exactly. <laughs> What's coming up? We have our Boo Run 5K and Health Fair. It is our first annual. It will be happening at Wilkes University's Henry Student Center on October 19th. Oh, let me do it. A Boo Run. Exactly. There we go. Now everybody knows it's for Halloween. So what's the Halloween theme? Well, we want everyone to come in costume for the run walk. We think that'll be lots of fun. Um, we're also going to have trick-or-treating at the health fair for the kids, and then there'll be a costume competition for adults and children. And uh, when we're talking about this walk, walk run? Yes. It's a 5K. Yes, it is. Where's it going? It actually is going to head out from the Student Center. We'll go through campus a little bit. We'll walk through downtown Wilkes-Barre and then come back up along River Road um, and end at the Campus Center. And if people are <clears throat> maybe not up to the uh, <laughs> the whole 5K, because is there, are you focusing on the run? We're calling it a run walk for starters. So there is no prize for being the fastest person there. 
What we want to see is your talent and your creativity in your Halloween costumes. Um, and if you don't want to run, just come for the health fair. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. All right. I might be able to handle that. Tell us about the health fair then. What time does that start? The health fair is going to start at 930. Um, at that point, kids can come and trick or treat in costume. We won't actually do the costume competition until later, but we'll have different organizations sharing their services, also offer some screenings. And the students from the Generation RX program, they're part of the pharmacy program at Wilkes, will be there talking about Narcan and some other activities and doing trainings. Yeah, well, they just had the uh, recent Narcan d- distribution, mm-hmm. and people were are learning more about that. If people want to come to the event, can yes. they just show up? Do they have to register? Is there a cost? So for the run, there is a cost. It is $25. You can sign up at runsignup.com. Just search Boo Run 5K and Health Fair. That's B-O-O. (laughs) B-O-O, yes. And then for the health fair, you don't have to sign up, though you can sign up at Run Sign Up. Um, But we would just like you to come out. Uh, If you sign up, then, of course, it helps us figure out how much candy we really need to have. (laughs) Healthy Um, candy. Healthy candy, yes. (laughs) No no sugar, I'm sure. Um, But... Otherwise, just come on out for the health fair and have a good time. It is true that uh, the uh, both medical societies, both Luzerne and Lackawanna counties, get together. They do so many things. As I said, you were busy, busy over the summer yes. between uh, Public Square and between the courthouse in Scranton and, and doing all those things. Um, do you foresee anything new coming up in the future that you're going to be concentrating on? As of now, I haven't really planned anything. I am considering a 5K for the health fair that we do in Scranton. And I know that we are planning some other community projects. I actually have a meeting as soon as I leave here to (laughs) talk to someone about some of these things. Um, But really just these, uh, this, I don't think I mentioned before, the 5K is replacing our drug take back that we've normally done at the courthouse. Uh, We'll still probably do the take back in April. Maybe we'll turn that into something fun as well. But this year, you can bring, or for October anyway, your drugs to the Henry Student Center as well, and the Sheriff's Department will take them and dispose of them for you. And in talking about that, just the the whole idea of the drug take back, the word's out, mm-hmm. and it was folks like you who really had a big push in order to get the word out about how to go about it. Are you finding that people are becoming more accustomed to getting rid of their their unwanted drugs? I can definitely say that our takebacks had a decrease in the number of participants. And it's not so much that I think that people have necessarily gotten the word, but maybe our audience has gotten the word. But I also think that people are aware of the fact that they can take drugs to their local pharmacy, to police departments, to the courthouse, and there's boxes there. There's still a whole demographic of folks, I'm sure, that haven't gotten this information. And some of the things we plan to work on next year is how do we message those folks and get out in the community and make sure that people know about these things, not just the twice annual drug take backs or only going to the police station or the courthouse. There will actually be kits that they're giving away at the health fair that you can use to dispose of your medication. So you can take those home, grab a couple of them, hold on to them, and then dispose of medications as you are done with them. So there's another alternative Mm -hmm. besides just bringing it 
you can go pick something up, take it home, and do it right in your home. Yes. Wow. Okay. And again, we rely on on you folks to give us all of that information, and you are going to be busy once again by getting all of the word out about all of your different programs. Yeah. I'm assuming we'll see you back out at the uh, at Public Square. Yes, we will be back out at Public Square. We did um, upgrade that a little, I guess we'll say. We had a lot more music this year. Um, some different farmers that came out. Polka Day was our most popular day. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to think about how we can improve upon that as well. We're thinking about maybe going into senior centers and working with them um, and doing lots of maybe like pop-up community activities, I guess I would call them, because they're not going to be large scale, but just going to where people are so they don't have to come to us. And if anybody has any suggestions, comments, concerns, anything like that, how would they get in touch with you? They can either call the office. That number is 570-344-3616. Or they can email me at info at Luz, L-U-Z, LAC, L-A-C-K, MED, M-E-D, SOC, S-O-C, dot org. And once again, give us the rundown. For the 19th of October. Yes. Boo! Yes. I just like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it is our first annual 5K and Health Fair, October 19th. Registration is $25 per runner. The run will begin at 9. The Health Fair starts at 9.30. And you can sign up at runsignup.com. Search Boo Run 5K and Health Fair. And the Health Fair is free. The Health Fair is free. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Once again, a reminder, the Medical Society's premier 5K run walk and health fair is Saturday, October 19th at Wilkes University. The Halloween-themed event offers fun for the whole family. And if you'd like to find out more information, you can always get in touch with them at info at L-U-Z-L-A-C-K-M-E-D-S-O-C dot org. Now it's that time of the year. The leaves are changing. It's starting to get a little bit chilly. And of course, the signs are going up for flu shots. Dawn Webster, physician's assistant with MedExpress in Pittsburgh, has the lowdown on why it's a good idea to get them early. Dawn, it's that time of the year again. Can you believe it? It's summer's over and the flu season has begun. What can you tell us? Well, um, we haven't seen too much of the flu yet, but it definitely is starting already. We're hearing again that, you know, you need to get your flu shot. You should get your flu shot early. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, it's probably the same as last year. So I already know what to expect. Is that true? No. So every year the flu changes and it mutates and, um, you know, it's different. So it really is important to get the flu shot every year. When you say it mutates, how does that happen? Does it matter what part of the country you're in? Does it matter where you might catch the flu and then take it to another part of the area? How does all that work? Yeah, I I think that that has a lot to do with it. So, you know, unfortunately, 
viruses, bacteria, they do, they change, um, which is also how bacteria can become resistant to antibiotics. So every year they have to create a new flu vaccine based on their guesses, essentially, what they think is going to happen, what they think is going to emerge, what viruses, what strains. I've seen reports that a lot of times in our country, we'll take the cues from what has already happened in other parts of the world that have already gone through their fall, winter season and are now coming into summer. Is that also play a part in it as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like right now, um, it's Australia's winter season. I mean, they're in their peak flu season. So we can use their data to help us kind of figure out how how to better prepare for this flu season. When we're looking at the flu shots, now again, the signs are going up at a lot of pharmacies. They're going up. A lot of healthcare providers are saying, uh, you know, now is the time to get your flu shot. What can someone expect? Because again, we've heard the stories, and I'm sure you have too. I felt fine until I got the flu shot. Myth or not? Sure. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you do, you can feel achy after getting the flu shot, but it's not because you're getting the flu. So the virus that they're putting inside of you with the flu shot is either an inactivated virus or it's not a virus at all. It's particles. It's it's um, like a product, a byproduct. So essentially the, the achiness, the sickness you're feeling is your immune system fighting off what they did put in you. So it's just letting you know that your body is working to fight it. And, um, you know, it's normally just a couple days, and some people don't have that at all. But if you do, it's essentially just your body kind of fighting off what it thinks is an illness. One of the other things that we're also seeing along with the flu shot available signs are over 65, there's a more potent flu shot. Is that correct? Um, It's not that it's more potent. It's, it's just there's more, there's more viruses that it's protecting you against. So, um, you know, there's multiple different versions, but a lot of times the one that, that they recommend for people over the age of 65 is, is called a quad. It, there's four different flu viruses they're protecting you against. And when we're talking about things along that line, is it something that is one size fits all or should you talk with your physician first to see that there might be as here, you know, you're over 65, you might want to ask for this particular shot or do they know when you go into different places, oh, I'm going to get this today, I'm just going to go in there and they'll already know exactly what you need? Sure. So a lot of times it is based on just your general age. But if you are younger um, than 65 and you have a comorbidity um, like asthma or COPD or diabetes, then you may want to check with your family doctor because they may recommend you get a different one. And the same with um, women that are pregnant. A lot of times they recommend the preservative-free vaccine for them. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other things as well, because again, the signs are out there and now we're not only seeing flu shots, but also seeing the pneumonia shot. Now, is that something that, again, you should consult with your physician first? And and what exactly, how does that compare to a flu shot? 
Sure. So there's multiple forms of pneumonia. You can get a bacterial pneumonia, a viral pneumonia. Um, I mean, some people can get both at the same time, unfortunately. But yes, the, the pneumonia shot helps protect the people that are older or also that are immunocompromised from getting pneumonia. They typically don't recommend it for young, healthy individuals because it's not as much of a risk. You know, you can easily, if it's a viral pneumonia, fight it off, you know, just by resting and and taking care of yourself. But if you're older or immunocompromised, then you should get it to help protect yourself from even being in that situation. And is it true that the pneumonia shot is also in two stages? Yes. Yep. Um, And then it also will last a couple years. So it's not something you have to get every year like the flu vaccine. So again, that's something that you'd be able to talk about with either with your pharmacist or your physician and then be able to get the information there. Now, the other thing that we're also seeing a lot of is shingles. For the shingles vaccine, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yep. And they're also always coming out with new formulations um, that, you know, may be updated with the different virus, um, you know, strains that that they're seeing. So um, a little bit more effective in terms of what we're seeing right now. And is that, again, something that, um, because I know there are some of us who never had chicken pox as kids, so does that mean that we can just ignore this whole situation, or is there something that we, too, need to be prepared for? Sure. So if you've never had chicken pox, you should get the chicken pox vaccine, if you haven't already. And what is that? Does that give you chicken pox? No, no, it'll just protect you from getting it. Because if you have never had it and you do get it as an adult, it is typically significantly worse than having it as a child. So, yeah, definitely if you have not had the chicken pox and you're an adult, you should get the chicken pox vaccine. A lot of times, you know, you have uh, people that uh, sit down and they talk about all these things and they say, well, I've got this one and I got that one. So, Maybe from your perspective, is it a good idea to rely on other people and say, well, if everybody else around me has already taken care of this, then I think I'm pretty safe? Well, um, I know what you mean. That's called herd immunity. And essentially, you're, you know, kind of gambling, to be honest, um, because the more people that feel that way, obviously, the more of a risk you have. And it also, I mean, if you have no reason to not get the vaccine, then you're just kind of putting yourself at more risk. So, I mean, it's definitely something you can talk about with your doctor, um, but for the most part, it's typically not recommended. So I guess the bottom line here is early is probably better. And again, when we're talking about this, we know in the past that there have been times when it's the height of the season and you're hearing, well, there are no more flu shot vaccines available or they have to be ordered. So if you get it too, if you get it too late, you run into that. But if you get it too early, is it possible that they'll come out with something else? Not typically. Typically, once it gets released for the season, even if they get ordered later in the season, they're going to be the same one. So probably a good idea to get it get it one and done, and then you don't have to worry about it. Dawn, anything that you would like to add, especially since we're talking about uh, getting prepared for the cold and flu season? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. There was a report not too long ago that... They're coming up with a cure for the common cold. Have you heard about that? 
You know, I did read a little bit about it, um, but the article I read was very, very vague. So um, what it sounds like is it sounds like they may be, you know, getting closer to figuring out how to inactivate these viruses once they're in your body. Um, But I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon, unfortunately. So then what do we do? (laughs) Well, um, so the best thing to do is definitely get your flu shot and, and keep in mind that it does take about two weeks to completely, you know, start protecting you. Um, so really any time would be good to get it um, in the near future. And then also if you do feel like you're getting sick, um, you know, try to stay home. Try not to spread the germs. If you are anywhere um, in public, make sure you wash your hands once you do get home. Try not to touch your nose, your mouth, your eyes, because um, that is one of the ways that these germs spread. And really it's just, you know, um, the general, you know, sneezing in a tissue or your elbow and and washing your hands as much as you can. As Dawn said, now's a good time to start planning on or even getting your flu shot. The City of Wilkes-Barre Health Department will be hosting free flu vaccine clinics for city residents at the Kirby Health Center on North Franklin Street beginning Monday, October 7th and at various locations throughout the city through Thursday, October 17th. Don't go away. More special edition to come. Special edition continues. Now we meet Eileen Perchak and Peggy Duraco. They're with SAFE, which is... SAFE stands for Supporting Autism and Families Everywhere. We were founded in 1995 to help families affected with autism. Uh, We're a 501 nonprofit. Basically what our mission is to do is to support and empower families. I have a son who is now 23 years old. And when I, he first got diagnosed in Northeast PA, there wasn't a whole lot of services for autism. And that's just 23 years. Correct. Yeah. Uh, we've come leaps and bounds. Um, Northeast PA is probably one of the best places in the area for autism services. So when my son was first diagnosed, first and foremost, is very isolating. It's very scary. When somebody says something to you that there's something wrong with your child, you, you, you immediately go into you know, your flight or fight response. And How old was he when he was diagnosed? He was about three and a half. So I was driving to Hershey three days a week to get services for him. And, you know, the services progressed and, and that we got some in Northeast PA. And he had good, good services here. He had therapeutic staff support, which now they call BTs. And he was getting speech therapy, occupational therapy, he did neurobiofeedback therapy. But the one thing that was missing was a friend. He had no friends. Um, he was very socially ostracized because he was quirky. He's on the high end of the of the spectrum, so he's a bright boy. But again, he was kind of quirky. Let's go back twenty three years, and that meant he had to go to school. He did. He was completely mainstreamed. Um, as I said, he was he's he's articulate. He's very bright, but the, the social cues he just he he didn't get any of that. Um, and he was still a rarity. He was, and I, and I hate to use the term guinea pig, but in my district, he was kind of the guinea pig kid that they, you know, they didn't know what to do with because he was high functioning. So he was bullied terribly, and that for me was was just awful as a parent. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for a friend for him, and that's how I became involved with Safe, and that was oh sixteen years ago at this point. 
And I also met other parents that were going through the same things I was. And where were they from? They were from all over. They're from Lackawanna County, Luzerne County, Columbia County, Schuylkill County. They're for, they were from everywhere. And they, they too, were doing the same thing for something for their child to do that made them, and I hate to use this term, child feel normal, let them be a kid where they never could. A lot of these children work so hard. They're in therapies all day long. They're with therapists, occupational speech. You know, they're very regimented schedules. So to give them some free time is huge. So that's how I met my friends at SAFE. And um, we started, and now my son is part of the adult Asperger group. He has continued all these years through. They go bowling. They they do video game live. They've been to the Kirby Center. So he's maintained these friendships, which is huge for, for somebody on the spectrum. And when we're talking about that, again, autism has now fast-forwarding 23 years, has now become such a mainstream word. It really has. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an insight into what exactly that, from your perspective, I mean, I know you're not a medical, but right, I let can't me, give it but, So um, what exactly does autism mean? Well, it's a neurological disorder. In, in my world, it was earth-shattering. It was, it was earth-shattering for me because you go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to have this beautiful baby and everything's going to be fine. And But so, it's not outward. So you wouldn't even know that to look at him no, when he's three. No. And I was older when I had my children, so I had nothing to gauge it on. He Now, in hindsight, I see he was very repetitive. Like, I'd be like, oh, look at him. He's watching the same movie over and over again. He's a good baby. Yeah, but kids do that all the time. But then now I would see he would, you know, he had a little bit of OCD. He would line his trucks up. <clears throat> he, you know, things had to be a certain way. Um, tags drove him crazy. He had tactile issues. I know all that now. I didn't then. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on why the rate of autism is going up because it's such a controversial issue. That's my a... thought was always, I don't care why. I'm going to do what I need to do to make my son function as best as he possibly can and be as independent as he can. And I think that's pretty much the goal of any parent whether they're high-functioning, nonverbal, verbal. Most parents I know, that is their ultimate goal, is to get that child to live a happy, independent life. We're talking with uh, the ladies from SAFE. Let's bring Peggy in here for a second. Peggy, you are, uh, you're involved with most of it getting the word out. Eileen has been telling us about her son and her experience. Do you have a background in this as well? Uh, I am not a parent of an autistic child, but my sister is. My sister, my nephew is 24 now. Unbelievable. But anyway. But again, we have <laughs> that that's, that span of yeah. time. Uh, he lives in New Jersey now. He always has. And things are a little different in Jersey and Pennsylvania, but similar. She, my sister was in a rural area of New Jersey, and she faced a lot of the same issues that Eileen did uh, at that time with services, with friends, uh, with you know, stuff to do and and programs to provide for him. So in order to help her, I stumbled upon SAFE here, and I attended, when he was very young, I attended several meetings here uh, for SAFE. And then kind of life, you know, I had my own daughter, and I was involved with her stuff. So I was kind of in a distance involved. And then probably about three or four years ago, I came back working with Eileen and the SAFE staff, um, and started to do some photography for them and started to look at their social media and their website and 
try to help out in that way. And here we are today. Social media must play a very big part of people getting together. And and you can find people. I mean, it was very difficult back uh, in the beginning stages for my sister uh, to find people who also had autistic children or who had who were similar to her in what they were looking for for their children or just who had autistic children at all um, because she was in a a more rural area. But I think that is true. I think social media is huge. That's how the main way people communicate anymore, including us at the office. Uh, People email us, text us, whatever, um, and that's how they get in touch with us now, which, of course, 23 years ago was non-existent. Exactly. That's huge. And we're also able to get the word out and – Huge for us is collaborating with other people, and that's all because of social media as well. We have nice collaborations with the Kirby, with Geisinger, with a lot of the local uh, behavior therapists, a lot of the local organizations with autism. We collaborate with. We share their stuff. They share ours, and that's been huge for our families because now if it's not our event, they can see somebody else is having an event, and they'll think, oh, the Kirby's putting on a sensory-friendly show. That's awesome. We'll go to that. Eileen, give us a little bit of a background now as to what your safe group does with these families. We get to do the fun stuff. So we try to create environments that are inclusive in the community, but are safe environments that if a child does have a meltdown or, you know, is having an issue, that it's okay. And they're not looked at and they're not frowned upon. Mm -hmm. Um, We try to go, as I said, we have swim programs, we have music programs, we have art programs. Uh, We recently just moved into our new office. We're now located on 1325 North River Street in Plains. But our programs are awesome. Just look on our Facebook page. As Peggy said, our social media, our website, social media. We update our programs probably weekly. We go bowling. We go camping. We're offering private swim lessons at Camp Orchard Hill, the Valley Country Club in um, the Hazelton area. So we have a lot going on. Um, We want our families to come out to meet each other And again, just to have fun and let kids be kids. Uh, We have programs from, it's called My Special Person and Me from zero to seven. We have pals and teens. And then we have the adult Asperger group too. Peggy, what if there is someone listening who's thinking, well, I'm in an area and I've never been approached by the folks from SAFE. Would that be something that you would welcome? Definitely. We're always looking for new members. There's a lot of families who maybe the kids are here for the summer, and we would welcome them as well to to come do the activities, uh, join our group. We have a, um, a $35 a year membership fee, but that covers not only the child on the spectrum, but the whole family at all of our events. Um, you know, I'm going to say 99% of our events are at no cost to the families because a lot of our families can't afford to do these activities unless, you know, we're there to help them. Let's say, again, there's somebody who maybe has a fleet of vehicles or a bus line or something, and they're hearing this and they're thinking, well, maybe Peggy and Eileen would like to take their kids to the Poconos or something. That would be awesome. And we do have families that say, oh, my gosh, I'd love to go here or there, but I, I have no way to get there. And right now, kind of our solution for that is if you can get to one meeting, you can make friends. And once you start making friends, then, of course, through making friends, maybe you can get a ride or you can find a way there. If we had a way to get people there, that would really expand, I think, our population. That would be awesome. We love to collaborate. We're all about promoting you. You help us. We'll promote you. Um, 
we're all we're setting up our website we've revamped it but we are going to have a referral page for different groups and different companies that um, would like to be on a referral page that can provide assistance to our families as well we have tons of resources that we can give them phone numbers for There's different therapies all over Northeast PA, whether it's behavior, cognitive. We have a list that we can give them. We don't say specifically use X, Y, and Z, but we can certainly, we have the resources to help them find where they need to go. We also partnered with Geisinger ADMI, their autism research group, and they've been fantastic for us. They fund a lot of our programs, and they are doing the genetic component of it. So the families can do a genetic testing through Geisinger, and it's at no cost to them. Northeast PA is probably one of the best places in the country for autism services, and uh, they can call us at 570-822-7259 or our website, www.autismsafe.org, or email at autismsafe.org. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.